Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. So, James, what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, I should look back at my texts. I was like texting my wife and I was like, well, it looks like they're done. <laughs> it looks like, uh, you know, we're supposed to we're supposed to go to the lake uh, this weekend. And I was like, oh, we can go to the lake and not worry about it because their season's over. <laughs> and uh, their season was not over. That was that that was even more crazy than the than what Boston did to them in 2013, don't you think? I mean, other than it was Game Seven, and other than it was actually in the first round, a few things were crazier. The Leafs hadn't scored in almost two games, and then they scored three goals in three minutes. They hadn't scored the whole the whole game. Yeah, what? And they looked terrible. The Leafs looked like. Why would anyone think they were going to come back in that situation? You wouldn't. And and like, I wonder what the statistical odds were at that point of them coming back. As compared to Boston that, that year. Uh, well, I, I, did you see in my story I had uh, moneypuck.com had when Columbus scored the third goal and it was 3 nothing, their chances of winning the game were 99.85%. So the Leafs were down to a 0.1% huh. chance with four minutes left in the game. Like it's the number of teams that have come back from down 3-0 in any game in the last four minutes of a game is very small. And the number of teams that have scored three goals with, with their goalie pulled it was only the second time it had ever happened in in playoff history in the nhl i think that the stat was anaheim did it once quite a while ago yeah 2017 oh it was only a couple years ago okay i thought it was two was it i thought maybe it was when they had their cup run but um i mean but uh, but i think that i mean hockey's a weird game and there's momentum and all these things but the most surprising thing is it just didn't look like they had anything. It just didn't look like there was going to be any push. It looked like they were just going to lay down and die. And it was, um, now I remember going into the third period. It's like, well, I tweeted, I was like last 20 minutes of the Leafs season with a question mark. Cause like it just, I don't know. And they were only down two nothing at that point. So when they get 
the three nothing goal with what was there left at that point five six minutes i mean it just and you know riley's on the bench breaking his stick and like having a fit and the mood is just like a funeral um and then i mean you know what credit to sheldon keith i mean he he tried everything in that game you know i, I remember i was watching i was like holy cow like we're seeing like every kind of line and like the fourth line played like 13 minutes or 12 minutes or something like that. And like he, he did a lot. And then late in the game, he did everything he could to make sure his big guys were out there. And the goalie, like he pulls a goalie with 418 left. That's got to be one of the earliest goalie pulls that ended up working that has ever happened. What was it, Jonas? You were in the building. What was it like? What, what was it like watching that? And what was the energy like with the players as as it as it happened? Well, so I, I think you made the 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 best point in that at two nothing, and I wrote in my notes, it did not feel like that they were going to come back. Like you, you can sometimes feel like you could feel it with Columbus in that game the night before. You could feel like it was coming. Like there was a chance that they were going to come back and tie the game. There was like none of that. And you could feel how flat they were in the building. Like you could just see it on the bench. And when Riley coughs the puck up, you're just like, that's it. It's over. Like that. that's 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 the final blow. Their season's done. They've got nothing. And I like I kept texting you because I could not believe um, how little they had. Like there was nothing. There was no fight. There was they, they just looked like they were ready for their season to be over. And I was watching during the TV timeouts, and it was a little surprising to me because I hadn't seen this the night before. Every single TV timeout, Sheldon Keefe was gathering his bench and gathering guys in tight. And in that last TV timeout, he gets the group that that ends up going on the ice for the six-on-five together. Uh, and you're looking at it, and it's, there's 14 left, and he's pulled the goal, and you're like, oh, well, it makes sense. I mean, they're down three goals. Like, when, like you can't wait any longer than than now. Um, he, he, like, never – he never f- – he ne- he never fully gave up, right? Like he he kept he kept trying to do things, and when you're watching, it, it's like, oh, well, it seems kind of futile. But you know, he, like he throws Marner and Tavares and Matthew. Well, it was futile, James. <laughs> but it wasn't. It worked. Like it wasn't working. <laughs> but at that, but but not before then. Like everything he tried, nothing was like sparking them. Like I, to your point, credit. Like you are trying things to to catch. Um, but everything he tried didn't result in anything. Like there was a power play uh, where like midway through a power play pulls a couple guys off and suddenly it's like Riley, Matthews, Tavares, Kapanen, and and I think Kerfoot on the ice, like s- something they've never done all year. And he's just like trying something to, to get anything going and it wasn't happening. And then they get that kneel under goal and it's like, oh, that's nice. Okay. And then they get the, the next one like right after and you're like, okay, now there's now there's a game. I, like, what were you thinking at that point when they get the second one? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, uh, here we go again. We're on, we're on another adventure. It's, I was thinking, I don't, I don't know. Like, what a what a weird, well, what a weird you know what sport, you, James? Jonas. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what you compare this that yes. to. I mean, how many hockey games have we been to in our lives? I was, I was trying to add it up. I've probably been to. I mean, if you include all the games before I was working, I've probably been to, I mean, well over a thousand games in my life. I've never seen that. It's ridiculous. 
It actually reminds me of uh, there was an NBA game. I believe it was Clippers Rockets, and it was in the playoffs. And the Clippers were the better team, and the Rockets just like caught fire from three and just drained like a million threes and came back and won the game. And it just felt it's different, obviously, with the Leafs and their firepower offensively. Um, but it's not dissimilar, I guess. But I tell you, James, like the plays that the two passes that Matthews made, um, first to Tavares and then to Hyman, those are passes that like those are A plus passes. Like I did not he's a good passer, but I didn't know he had that in him. And obviously a six on five creates different dynamics, but man, like the first one to Tavares where he's just like scanning the ice, scanning the ice. And then the second one, when he, when it looks like he's going to shoot because he's Austin Matthews, and then he finds Zach Hyman, like Zach Hyman, who you know now is a two-time twenty-goal man. I I just could not believe that he made those two plays. Like those are the two biggest assists, obviously, of his career. But that that was really interesting to me, and in like looking forward, that there's like another dimension in there that could potentially grow even more. I think as a setup man, he he grew a lot during the year too, right? Like I mean. You could see this season yeah. he was adding all these other elements to his game that we're seeing the fruits of that in in this playoff series. I mean, he's been more physical as a player in this playoff series than we've ever seen before. Uh, he's been better defensively. He's been he's been one of the best players in the NHL in these playoffs. You know, I've watched a lot. Oh, I wa- yeah. I've watched a oh, lot yeah. of he's these been, games. He's been the one constant, James. He, he's been he's been their MVP. Even in the game where they were shut out and bad, he's been a factor and you know what he's so good at is you talk about the passing is kind of the deception and and the other team has a really hard time the goalie and the defenders of knowing whether he's shooting or passing he doesn't necessarily need to look where he where he wants to direct the puck um and that's that's pretty hard to that that's pretty hard to defend well and you can see like on the hyman goal which ties it at three Merzlikens is just like all in on his shot and so are all the Blue Jackets because like why wouldn't they and Matthew's kind of like to your point he sucks them all in and then he finds Hyman and Hyman just like quickly throws it on net and it's not even a great shot but he's got Tavares in front and it beats him and yeah like I I, I just I don't know it's it's, it's something you you even when it's 3-2 I guess you start to feel like it's going to happen but but even just before they get the goal, like they almost got scored on. Like I actually thought that they were going to get scored on because they were kind of fumbling around with the puck in their own zone. Oh, yeah. I think it was Riley who blocked the shot. Was it Riley? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> and, and and the other thing, too, is that Columbus had quite a few chances. Like if you look late in, I, I was, yeah. was going to do like, uh, it felt like the Leafs were pretty dominant there at the end. So I started looking through like the game sheet and I was like, okay, so like how badly did they outshoot them late in the game and whatever, whatever. And it turned out the Leafs only had three shots on goal in the last 10 and a half minutes of the game. And every single shot went in. They only had three shots. Like Merz Lickens was sitting there. Well, Columbus was blocking they were, a ton, yeah, right? They were, yeah, they were blocking a lot of shots. But Columbus also had a bunch of opportunities. And if you look at the overtime, I mean, like the overtime was a bit hairy for the Leafs. Like they were the better team, but they also allowed some really good chances. Like there were a lot of... Yeah. And even late in the third period, there were like shots that Columbus would take that would narrowly miss the net when Anderson wasn't necessarily there. And like there was... 
they kind of had a horseshoe up their ass at the end. Like it was kind of like a, you know, it was like divine intervention. I called it the, oh, yeah. in my story. I called it the Maple Leaf miracle because it was. <laughs> I don't. Know, it's such a. It's such a funny sport where. You, I mean, there. That's proof you can't give up in a game like that. Like it. It might feel like you got nothing, but if you find you can scrap one goal into the net, then it's a new game. And um, it's funny, you know, everyone's talking about the resiliency of the Leafs and all these things, and that's not something that we really talked about with the Leafs all year. Well, I don't know if that's true. They, they talked about resilience all year. And let's let's be careful here. I'm not sure that I'm going to give them so much resilience credit for this. Like for 56 minutes, there was nothing. There, like there was there was no resilience. You know what I was thinking of was the quote you were talking about, the Burke quote you were talking about in our last podcast. You were like, if you dig a hole yes. and then you get out of it, then you don't get full credit for getting out of it because like it was like it was of their making where they were. It is very impressive what happened. Yes. What I put in, you should. I recommend people go to the Athletic and read our stories. Uh, theAthletic.com slash Leaf Report. Jonas wrote a great kind of goal by goal, moment by moment breakdown of the whole thing with a lot of uh, quotes and comments from the players. Um, I can't believe you got all that from like Zoom calls and stuff. You did. You did a really good job of kind of capturing the the emotion of it without being able to, you know, really interview players and the coach properly. Um, but it, you know, in, in my piece, I said like, uh, this, this probably only really counts if they do something in game five with the fact that they're still alive and they play poorly and they lose in yes. game five, then what's like, what's the point, right? Like, it's not like they didn't really prove anything. They proved that lightning struck them once late in a game and they, they, they're, they're almost even more frustrating if they, if they figure it out because it's like, well, or if they don't figure it out because it's like, well, you showed that you can do it. You just, it's almost like you just don't want to do it or, you know what I mean? Actually, I was thinking, James, like it kind of, it's not the same thing because the Leafs were facing elimination and like basically dead, like it was over. Uh, but you remember in that Tampa series with Columbus last year, I think, I think in the first game, Columbus got down like three, nothing. I could be wrong about that, but they did get down and then they came back, I believe to win that game. And then the next game, I think they just throttled them. And then obviously they swept them. Um, and you wonder if, if like uh, momentum can be over, um, like over hyped in this sport, but you wonder if like a loss like that jolts a team because you look at the way Columbus basically dominated the game until that point. And you got to think like there is some momentum factor there. Um, I, I, I do think another thing, James, that, that Sheldon Keefe did that I think was smart is he just played the shit out of Riley. He just stopped messing around with other things and just every other shift got Riley out there. Well, I mean, yeah, and I thought that the other defensemen were better than they were in game three. You know, there were some... Good point. And he seemed less afraid to go with like a riley Barry combination. And I mean, there were a lot of different... Riley Hall. Yeah, I, I think that that's the way to use Riley is give him some different partners and different looks against different lines and different situations. And I, I think that's that's what you got to do. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have last change for the game five, and that, that could be a big a big factor. 
Well, actually, that's something I wanted to talk about. Like, what? Actually, first let's let's finish looking back at this game, um, and then we can look ahead to game five. The 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 overtime you talked about. You know, some of the chances going going both ways. The reaction in the building to Felino getting his stick uh, into Riley's skates. The Leaf bench was apoplectic that there was no call initially. And then obviously the Columbus bench freaks the hell out when there is a call. And then another little tweak that, that Sheldon Keith made that I thought was perfect for the moment, uh, given the way the game has been going, and something like we talked about that I think they should have done a long time ago, is they just move Riley onto that first unit. And Riley makes a nice play to keep the puck in. He gets it to Marner, Marner gets it to Tavares, and Tavares gets it to Matthews. I, I'm curious, like... Um, about how their power play looked there, it just looked better than it has, I don't know, in a long time. It looked very... Obviously, there haven't been many games, so... Yeah. It looked very confident, Jonas. It looked very... Yeah. I think I think part of why Riley's not on the top unit is just to... They need him so much everywhere else that you can't just... Like, I think they've probably looked at it and think Barry is at least close to what Riley gives you on the top power play unit, but... With how well Riley was playing in that game, and how important that moment was, I, I, I you're right. It like Keith made a lot of really smart adjustments that worked in that game. It was, and he didn't give up. You know, he didn't just say, you know, fuck these guys. I'm just gonna, you know, he he didn't just he, he tried to find the guys that were working. I mean, how many coaches would have built this? But see, what's interesting about that, James, yep. let me ask you this, though. See, I was surprised that we didn't see more of that the night before. Yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. And I wonder, maybe he was kicking himself that, that um, is, is, is Keith, yeah. Keith talking today? Could be a chance to ask him something like that. But yeah, I, I was surprised. I'm surprised in this series we haven't seen that Sheldon Keith more because that's kind of more who he is. Um. Yeah. So it's interesting that it took like a two nothing loss in an elimination game going into the third period for him to. Well, when did he really start blundering the lines? It was the second period, right? The second. Yeah. yeah. One thing he did that that we have not seen for an extended period was he just went Matthews Tavares Marner. Right. And the other thing he did that I was texting you before the game wanting them to do, and I've been like I've I've wanted this to happen for a while is Neilander played center. So those were like those were two big changes. I wonder how many coaches would have thought your season's on the line. Let's put the super line together. Like the the issue with the super line is, are you getting enough from your other lines? And I think one of the things that probably made it okay is the fourth line was so good. Like the, those guys, the fourth line, I don't know what it was like from your perspective, but on TV, they, every shift they were making an impact. They were like, they just, they didn't have a lot of offensive talent. Like there were a couple times they could have scored if they, had made a better move or whatever, but Columbus had to worry about them as a threat. Like I, they couldn't just completely ignore that line, and they're all so big, and it, they have they have such different skill sets too. Like the way that Spetsa can move the puck as opposed to the way that Clifford played. But those guys just left everything on the ice the whole game, you know. And if you look at the underlying numbers for that fourth line, they're unbelievable. They were like you know eighty some percent expected goals. Um. They didn't get a goal, but they certainly deserved one. And so Keith had... Well, they were the only line that was going, James. I know. They were the, like, every time they came out, it was a different game. 
So, I mean, good good for those guys. I mean, like, the fourth line played three minutes in game one. They Like, that line, I thought that line looked good in game three, but they looked really good in game four. And the fourth line for the Leafs all season has not been a big factor. Like, how many times has the fourth line had a shift where you're like, oh, wow, that was, like, we've barely even talked about the fourth line all year. Yeah, and deservedly so. And, and like, I don't think Sheldon Keefe was, like, overplaying it that, that Jason Spezza, like, did, just did not want to lose. Like, I don't know how it looked on TV, but, like, you could just see I was watching it happen behind the play, and he just basically forced Kukin to fight. Like, Kukin did not want anything to do with that. Yeah, he kept And Jason Spezza had fought six times in his career. Yeah, like, and then he's just like, you know what, fuck it. Like, you're, you're dropping your gloves. We're doing this. And then, like, it's a it's a it's an ugly kind of scrap and you can just see how angry Spezza was when he got to the bench. Like he is trying to do anything he can to like prod this team that, that doesn't have anything going and the bench loved it, but then there was nothing. Like, yeah. They got a little chippy <laughs> after that, but, but there was no real response. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking if I don't think Dean Kukin's much of a fighter. No. I mean like he hardly gets any penalty minutes at all. I mean, he's, He's from Switzerland, so not. A, I, I, that, I, I mean, that ha, that was his first NHL fight. Well, and, and seven NHL fights in like thousand plus games for Spezza. But so let me ask you: like, you're looking ahead to to Game Five on Sunday night. What do you do? Like, if you're Keith with like your lines, your deep pairings, you, you like, I think you go super line, man. I mean, you've got last change. Um. I think you got to go super line. The, my only concern with doing that is what your second and third line are going to give you. Like I don't, I don't, I I don't know what you think, but I did. Like I didn't see those lines really giving them a lot. Like Mikheyev str- really struggled in that game, and there were a couple guys and struggled that, in the series. Yeah, it makes sense. He hasn't played a game. Like I said, fans are getting all over him. He hasn't played a game in eight months, like or seven months. You know, like his wrist might be recovered, but like. And we, we've talked about this on the podcast. Like I said, my dad had an injury, like the one that he had, is really hard to come back. Like the, the, the motor function when you sever tendons like that isn't always the same for quite a long time. Um, hmm. So, and the other thing too is that I'm, maybe expectations on McKay have got a little bit, you know, he might yep. only be a guy that's a third. Guilty. He might only be a, yeah, he might only be a third line guy. Um. But, you know, it's not like we're writing him off yet. Um, it's just it's just that they can't count on him to be top six. I was even thinking during the game that if they had a winger that could play center, another winger that could play center, you put Kerfoot up with Tavares and, uh, and Elander because, the, you know, those three look dangerous a lot of times this year. And Kerfoot, I, I thought, played pretty well in game four. Well, that was what I texted you before the game, that I thought they should move William Nealander to center and try to get a little more... I, my thinking, like, as I was walking to the rink was they need to get a little more punch um, from elsewhere. Like, they kind of just didn't have anything. I, I think you just want, like, a threat on each line. Uh, but maybe, to your point, like, you just load up with Matthews, Tavares, Marner, play them a ton, like it's game five, and then try Neander, Kapanen, and, I don't know, Robertson or well whoever. Jonas, you know what the other big factor is going to be? Leafs have last change, and... Uh, Wierenski might be yep. might be out. I mean, that's yeah, that's like a Muzzin like right. loss for them. You know, if so, if you go super line and they don't, the Columbus doesn't have their their top D pair together. I mean, who knows if we don't know what Wierenski's injury is and we don't know how serious it is or anything like that. I wonder if I wonder if there's a chance Muzzin could play. 
we should probably look into that. Well, they've already ruled him out for the series. Yeah. But this quarantine's over tomorrow, so knowing Muzzin, he's probably going to be <laughs> kicking his door down and saying, let me out there. What's interesting, though, James, is like the, the, the super line didn't really work that well. Like they didn't really have a ton going. So, well, I have the numbers in front of me. They're, they played about 12 minutes, 11-11 shots, attempts, 4-6 in scoring chances. Although, uh, let's see here, 70 71% expected goals. So that's good. I thought they looked fine. But yeah, you're right. Like my concern was when they did that. It's like you're I know you need goals, but like like that Nylander, Hyman Kapanen line hadn't been together all year. But ever. <laughs> yeah. But that's the point, James. Like you're you do you you load that line up just because you you're just trying to get one goal and then and then kind of see where it goes. Um but what about the defense? Like uh, Riley ended up, like we mentioned, playing with everyone. He spent, as you mentioned, some time with Barry. Let me actually see. You know who was surprisingly uh, all right was playing most was Marinchin was surprisingly all right. I thought he's been fine in both games. Honestly, he was like under pressure. Yeah. His skating looked pretty good, and he was making the right play. And I was like, huh. I thought he had a pretty good game. Maybe the fans. Maybe not having the fans is helping some of these jittery guys. Well, actually, speaking of jittery, I thought. Dermot was a little more under control yeah. in this game. And maybe, obviously, Sheldon Keefe changed his pairs. And and while it looked like um, Travis Dermot was moving down, what actually happened is is Tyson Berry moved up and, and Barry Dermot kind of became their second pair. Um, so I wonder if that's something they go back to. So an interesting, uh, the numbers, Riley played with CC 13 minutes, five on five. Barry, six and a half. Hall, five minutes. Dermot three minutes hmm. so Sheldon Keefe has a lot of decisions I don't know yeah he does it's not gonna be easy it's not gonna I mean I feel like you go back with a super line but you're right if you think about it that the line that made the difference was actually six on five and and and, and the power play with the overtime winner like it wasn't it wasn't like the super line I mean the super line was out there but they also had Hyman and uh and Nylander and I don't know. I mean, maybe that's one you mix in. Maybe you mix that line in when... when I don't know. I, I think that you really want to get the first goal. Yeah, of course you do. I mean, you always do. And, I mean, Marner didn't have... Marner finished with three assists, but he didn't really have a lot going. Matthews, I thought, was, was still their best player again. But I wonder, and this is like a side conversation for the future, it's something I've been thinking about more, is I wonder if there's a future in which Tavares is a winger. I mean, you look at, like... Stamkos plays the wing a bunch in Tampa. Sagan plays the wing. I wonder if like that's the future, and Neander mm. is actually the guy who ends up playing center down the line. And maybe that's something you you to your point, like you just play around with mm. again in Game Five and just play him with Tavares and Marner and put Neander at center again. I like Neander at center more. I just think he has the puck. I think I think he has the puck more, and I like him coming up the middle. Um, but let me ask you this to conclude. Well, that's what that's, do you, that's that's the tough part for Tavares right is is like skating it in in a tough yeah. tight checking series like that skating the puck through the the middle of the ice and that, yes. that's not his strength so let me ask you this to conclude what do you expect in game five do you have any idea well, I, don't, I don't know yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen 
I mean, I did predict that this was what happened in Game Four was going to happen. That's what I said on the last. If people go listen to the last podcast, I said they were going to be down three nothing and come back in the last four minutes of the game. <laughs> Great call! <laughs> like, good job. This, <laughs> I just nailed it. I had it. I had it. I said something unprecedented in NHL history was about to happen. Um, we've we've said it all year. Jekyll and Hyde, sometimes in the same game. And they at least did it. The, the, the other thing, I don't know if you could notice this in the building, Jonas, but I, I, when the Leafs started coming back and when it was like 3-2 and then 3-3, Columbus was really rattled. Like, you could see on the faces of some of those guys, they were like, holy shit. Like, they looked like the Leafs there in terms of, like, just their body language. And, you know, some of the young guys in Columbus were just, like, really shocked about what was going on. Um, and there was a little bit of panic there that I hadn't really seen in the series previously and the Leafs have to try and keep that doubt in their minds and 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 also get breaking through on Merzlikens was the way that they did was was pretty impressive although I don't know if I mean do you think he could have had any of those goals they were all kind of like one-timers mm. and jam plays in tight and stuff like that like I don't think that I don't know I don't, I don't know if it was the goaltender's issue it was just the Leafs got a lot of great a chances there at the end a couple get through him, and I remember Ray Ferraro talking about it. I think it, was, it might have even been the other day on Overdrive where he can be amazing or he can just like completely fall apart. Like it's kind of one or the other. <laughs> um, right. And you just need like I wouldn't rule a, out like I wouldn't rule yeah. out Corpusello being the goalie. Like I mean, who knows, yeah. right? Columbus seems pretty confident going back and forth, and Corpusello played really well, even in the game where he got pulled. I don't think it was really Corpusello's fault. It was just kind of like. No. Torello was like, we needed to do something different. So it wouldn't shock me if he comes back in. Yeah, and that's like that's been one of my criticisms of, of Frederick Anderson is like you need him to kind of like win you a game at some point. And just, I mean, like the, the night before, like his team kind of melts, obviously, but he does too. Like he, he doesn't give you that stop to kind of be like, you know what, We're, this is not happening. Like we are not losing this game. Uh, and he made some of those stops um, as they made the comeback. And obviously, you mentioned no T. Um, but to your point, who can know what to expect from this Leafs team? I wouldn't be surprised if they came out house of fire, win the game, and move I, on. Like Jonas, but I remembered what I was going to say like 10 minutes ago. I was going to talk about the penalty in overtime. I think that that was a penalty. I think that they made the right call. Like, you know, Foligno was saying that Riley stepped on a stick. He had his stick like right into his feet. Yes, and and was like driving into him. Like I, I, I know Columbus didn't like it, but I'm. I think that was a penalty. You know, I watched it like ten times. I mean, I know it sucks. It's overtime, and the other thing too is that Columbus has gotten away with a lot of penalties. Like there, there have been some game three, especially there were they were mauling some of the guys and not getting called. So, um, and I know it's playoff hockey and all that, but I I didn't have a problem with that call. I don't know what we were your takeaway was when you're in the building in the building I, I thought it was a penalty um and even watching it again on replay but actually james i can tell you one of the the best parts about the fanless arena and there are not many um but you can hear the reaction <laughs> to every non-call like you get a sense for when the bench loses their shit both teams uh you can hear them giving it to the officials and the other thing i really like that that has been noticeable is you you really see um the effect that like a block shot has on a team they lose it on the bench anytime there's like a big block shot and and that's something like that i 
I never felt before because it just gets over uh, whatever by fans. Like you can't hear it. You could, you could, maybe you can see it. But when the building is empty and they're all pounding on the bench and like howling when Travis Dermott blocks a shot in overtime, you can hear it. And that's kind of cool. Well, especially in the NHL, like you're risking like a broken foot or a broken hand or whatever. And like, you know, your equipment yeah. doesn't 100% cover everything. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, you know, that you want to instill that mentality that, that, that you're a team that's willing to do that. I mean, even Matthews, like I remember got down and gotten away and I'm looking at the, the game sheet. He had three block shots. Yeah. Well, someone said it was it was like a season or a career high, like early in the game. I think he had most of those blocks early on. Yeah, and one was like a legit, like he one he even dove onto the ice, which I've never seen him do before, and and probably wisely right. so. Like he, that's not really what that's, you want him doing. That's leadership. Did you see the C slowly start forming on his jersey <laughs> in the middle in the middle of the game? Did you see that it was it was like in Back to the Future? It was disappearing off Tavares. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Did you what, like the comment uh, I had about uh, how the eighteen wheeler grew wings and started flying away? I did not see that. That is that is clever. Oh, it's in my story. Didn't you read? My, I haven't read, read your story, story yet. I I woke oh. up, had coffee, and started uh, started this up. So I tweeted this during the game, and I said something like, "I don't think I've ever written a story like this about the Leafs." And then I wrote like a fake lead on Twitter, and this is what it said. It said the eighteen wheeler was going off the cliff again, and then it grew wings. And it soared into the sky like a glorious <laughs> flying Winnebago. That's awesome. People seem to en- people seem to enjoy that, and it made it into my story because because why the hell not? <laughs> Once we're done here, I'm gonna go read your story because I basically went to bed quite late, woke up not that long before our podcast, and pressed record. So we'll see. Yeah, I fell asleep at like four thirty in the morning. Yeah, it was similar so, for me. And eh, I get to do it all over again tomorrow. Yeah, so we'll see what happens in Game Five. Uh, it should be interesting either way so thanks for listening thanks for subscribing it's been great to see all of the comments and all of the kind of engagement that we're getting on our stories Jonas your story's got 60 comments already mine's got 120 report cards have been very popular it's been cool to see everyone come back and if you have friends that that are Leafs fans that you think would like our stuff uh, give them the code theathletic.com slash leaf report perfect James We'll see what happens in game five. Peace out. Yes, we will.